We're here at uh, Blush Beach Bar, Beach Club. How do you say this? Blush Beach. So we're here at Blush Beach and uh, about to start our interview with James. Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us on uh, this second podcast that I'm recording. How many podcasts have you done? This is the second one I'm recording. So, but you say you keep saying it's the second one you're recording. Oh, well, so have you done podcasts that and I didn't not record? Is that just a conversation? No, right? in, in a, a way, a podcast that you don't record or broadcast is just talking to somebody. You know, in, in, you know <laughs> I've got thousands of podcasts I never recorded, uh, and always filled with regret. You know, you could be you could be at dinner or at a bar and you're having a great conversation. You know, you're like, oh, I, I wish I was recording this, but I don't have any recording device with me. So, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, the light is failing us, so we'll do our best here. Yeah, this is Blush Beach. Boom shakalaka. And with me today is James Seabacher, who Hi, actually uh, I've known for a long time. Yeah. Uh, you're good at telling that story. I've known you longer than I've known anyone in Vietnam. Thomas and I went to high school together in a small town outside Columbus, Ohio. And you were, you're two years older than me? I I guess three? I'm, th I'm three years older than my sister. Yeah. So his sister and I were in the same class, and we did theater together, right? And then, and then Jessica went on to actually be an act. Well, just actually left high school to be an actress. Then, like, she didn't even like, like, she's already living the dream, and it was like slumming when she had to come back into high school theater with us. <laughs> Your background is hospitality management. I guess so. I mean, is that what you studied in university? Yeah. And that's kind of what brought you out to Vietnam in a way, isn't it? I mean, I found a job on Craigslist is what brought me to Vietnam. But I think the decision was kind of about making, trying to make yourself like the biggest fish in the smallest pond that you could. Like when I lived in Vegas, I was like guppy, right? In, in, in a sea of sharks. It's one of the biggest hospitality markets in the world. And then, you know, coming to Vietnam, it's like, and this was 10 years ago. And you're like, ah, you're the Vegas guy. It's like, yeah, I am the Vegas guy. And it's easy to build a brand around that. When I first moved here, you were already working at one of the most storied nightclubs in Saigon, Lush. Yeah, Lush. Lush Saigon. And uh, we met many times there. And then at one point you said, you told me that you were getting a little bored of Saigon, looking for a new challenge. And not that long after that, I started hearing stuff about Building Blush a beach, beach club, yeah. <laughs> and I don't think it was necessarily even branded as Blush at no. the time. It was never supposed to be Blush, you know. Blush came from Beach Lush. I, I assume so. <clears throat> Completely, like, uninspired, uncreative name. But the more we used it, the more it just kind of fit. And naming stuff's actually kind of hard. I don't I know what else to call it. If you look at, like, other great beach lie, like, like, what, like Potato Head or... Coup d'etat, which is like nonsense, nonsense sounding words. Uh, blush was just as good as any other. And I always kind of thought if the product's really, really good, it doesn't really matter what you call it. Like Google is an example. Like Google's a stupid name for something. I mean, I like that there is that connection to the history within the name itself. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that. You know, like and it doesn't it, really. Yeah. 
And it's not like inappropriate. It's like a throwback without like relying on anything, right? Right. And I would guess that a lot of people who come here wouldn't know the connection, but it's just like a nice name in the anyways. It just sounded the branding came out really good. Right? We were in the process of trying to come up with other names and then the guy who was ultimately the architect and was big partner here. Uh, he kind of started sending some branding around with the blush name and it looked like really good. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's kind of cool with blush. Like let's blush beach. I liked, I added the beach. Okay. Right. Like <laughs> I dropped the, the off the Facebook, right? Like I added the beach. Uh, Cause I thought, you know, it's a beach. And I thought sort of not many people get to name a beach. Right. Right? Like now does this beach have a name? I mean the, the the stretch, the whole stretch of land here? This is like I don't know, maybe like Dien Dien Ban Beach, maybe Din Din Yop. I'm probably not saying that right. Din Yop Beach, maybe? Din Yung Beach. These are just the little villages here. Din we're in Din Yop, Din Yung Commune, Dien Ban Town, Quang Nam, Vietnam. Well, Hoi An Quang Nam Vietnam. Not Da Nang. We don't have any, we even have a number. We just think it's a beach. So, Blush Beach, right? Like, yeah. I mean, is that challenging in terms of getting people the address to come here? My Amazon Prime doesn't work. It's <laughs> without a number. Uh, no. I think like the kind of person that sort of ends up here that doesn't like isn't coming here intentionally. They are sort of a wanderer anyway. So, I don't think it's necessarily challenging. Um, we're on, it's like you can take a grab. Like, it's like, you just type in, like, we're on Google Maps, even though we're... Well, that's how we got here. Yeah. Actually, we saw it on the road going mm -hmm. to Hoi An from yeah. Da Nang. But I kind of already knew it was about halfway. Yeah. So it I, is like I was kind of right keeping my eyes open yeah. at that point. It's a good spot. Halfway between uh, the central Vietnam commercial town of Da Nang and the... Tourist mecca of Hoi An. UNESCO World Heritage Site, Hoi An, ancient town. They have, Bridges and they have lanterns. a nice uh, tagline there, too. You know, you added the beach, someone out there added the ancient town. Yeah. It is pretty ancient, though. It's like 800 years old or something, I think, right? I was saying that if I How old is ancient? More than three years. Oh, well, that's... I feel ancient, ancient sometimes. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah, then we are by definition ancient then, you know? I was guessing, I mean, I don't know, I'm not speaking from any kind of authority, but I was kind of guessing that if I was to live in Vietnam before the French came, that okay. maybe Hoi An would have been the place to go. Maybe. I, Hanoi probably, I think, also would have been probably pretty cool back then. It was, it's a, that's like a thousand-year-old city, and it's been a big, it was a big shipping port at some point in time, okay. I think, right? I guess. I, I mean, I don't know... Th that much about 19th century Vietnam. Tell me if you can, uh, <laughs> how would you contrast life in Columbus, Ohio, Las Vegas, Ho Chi Minh City, and now Da Nang, the greater Da Nang area? I don't know. I don't know whether that's an evolution or like a, a de-evolution, right? Like, uh, and I, and, and, I don't know towards which slant, really, it would be either. I think, I mean, I guess, like, Columbus, Ohio, like, nice place to, like, grow up. Doesn't, I'm not necessarily interested in spending the younger parts of my life there. Uh, Las Vegas, go Rebels. Much love, Vegas. But 
I wanted to kind of be more entrepreneurial and I wanted to be a bigger fish in a smaller pond. I thought that was a good way to like step up quickly. Um, so I don't know, coming to Vietnam and 10 years ago, you know, you're the biggest guy. I stepped into the role of sort of running one of the most, I don't know, iconic, storied, you know, uh, nightclubs in the whole country and not of, you know, of just Southeast Asia. Like, so that kind of lent itself to sort of an ease to building a brand. But after a certain point, I mean, I moved to Vietnam when I was 27. After a certain point, you know, kind of settle down. You have a partner now. You don't really want to be out till like 4 a.m. pounding bottles five days a week. Like, you can't physically sustain that lifestyle forever. It's like not super bad for you. Um, and so like this, I mean, I can hang out by the beach for the next 40 years conceivably, right, if I wanted to. Um, so this is definitely, I think, like much more a representation of like where I am at this point in my life than, you know. Well, I guess Blush was kind of a rep, or Lush was a representation of where I was when I was 27 too. So like in that regard, I didn't maybe contrast all those places, but I commented about each one. Yeah. I, I think a lot of people can look at the idea of working at a beach resort and, and thinking, wow, that's got to be the life. However, uh, the restaurant owner that I talked to in Hoi An last night was like saying that Hoi An is not the place to be. It's a good place for business, but to go grocery shopping, to go to the movies, to do any of those things, he has to go to Da Nang. Yeah, I would never... I'm like a modern person, right? Like, I like online delivery. I like being able to go to the convenience of big box shops. And Hoi An is a tourist destination. It is like living in a Disney village, right? But like an ancient Vietnamese Chinese shipping Disney village thing. So everything's little cafes, little restaurants, lots of tourists. But yeah, there's no mall, right? There's not like... A mall would ruin it too, though. You'd have to just build a mall away from it, right? There's nothing this side, right? So if you want to go, yeah, to the movies, you have to go to Da Nang. And so the, I live in Da Nang, right? I, I wouldn't choose to live probably in, in Hoi An or, or like Anbang, the beach. Am I saying Da Nang too hard? Am I mispronouncing that? I don't know. I don't. Because you were saying it Da Nang? Da Nang. Da Nang. Da Nang. Da Nang. I, I'm not sure. It's two words. Yeah. That's so. the challenging part as a foreigner trying to speak Vietnamese is yeah, you're never 100% sure that you're saying it the right way. I, I, nobody ever takes the time to learn the tones. Right? We all say that like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's so hard. And it's like there's only really six tones, five tones, six tones to learn. And then like, I don't know about you, but I like after 10 years, I have a good vocabulary. I just don't say anything correctly. Right? Because I mess up some slight tonality somewhere I, I felt like if, if I went and studied it I think I could like polish my Vietnamese up because right now it's like a like, like a rough turd right <laughs> I mean I could polish that turd up and get a decent shine off of it I think and like I could probably do okay Jennifer Jennifer she studied for like eight months so she came in with a basis of knowing the tones and then learned everything on top of it and is like almost fluent I had studied it formally, like in a classroom. Oh, really? And learned the tones as well as you can. Sure. 
But then the challenge was like you'd learn some new vocabulary word, you go out and you try to use it, even something really simple like asking for the bill. Yeah. Uh, which, which might may or may not sound like tintin. I mean, and uh, you know, you'd go out and try to practice that thing you learned, uh, and then like have the waiter scratching their head and not knowing at all what you're it's saying. Just a company with the hand motion, the well, international that, yeah, sign for check you can bill. Do th- you can do that without saying anything, and people will get get the idea. Sure. But if you're just trying to practice the things you had learned in class, like there's not a lot of positive reinforcement, not a lot of positive feedback in people saying, hey, I know what you're trying to say. Here's a small correction. And you no, know, everyone just laughs at you immediately or completely has zero interest in trying to speak with you further in Vietnamese. <laughs> I know a a very small amount of Westerners that were able to come here and successfully learn to speak Vietnamese. Yeah. And I feel like those are people that were like naturally talented with like music or some sort of tonality. I've heard that the best way to learn the language is to sing songs in it. Oh. This is what I've been told. If you want to learn to speak Vietnamese fluently, like like sing the music, do the karaoke bit, and that helps tremendously because there's a sing-songy nature to the language. I was told yesterday <clears throat> that an annoying thing that modern Vietnamese pop singers do is they mispronounce words on purpose, and mm. uh, it maybe in the like, the context of that coming up was I was complaining how most English pop female pop music musicians add this kind of break in their voice whenever they sing everything, anything, to try to sound sexy, I guess. Yeah. This kind of Britney Spears. Like, yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You were talking about this yesterday. Sure. Sound, right? Yeah. And uh, it was in that context that this came up, that that um, Vietnamese are, female vocalists are very mispronouncing words uh, really, like intentionally. Not speaking correctly, huh? Yeah. Well, I guess I would assume the people that learned it <clears throat> by singing it we're using more classic songs that are probably pronounced correctly, not modern pop. I came here yesterday for my first time and uh, had brunch here, and I was really impressed. Like, I know I, I've, I've seen photos of the construction site way back when, and um, I saw some videos online of your opening party. I have a few friends that were there, so I saw some reposts or whatever. And it didn't do it justice, mm. you know? Like... I guess I could say the re- end result is, other than the, 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 the greenery not fully growing in yet, is uh, pretty spot on with the architectural renders, but still like quite more impressive than my imagination led me when seeing the, seeing the renders or seeing the work site or any of that in the past or seeing even photos of it online. Uh, I just want to just quickly compliment you on how clean the beach is, uh, how much Thank you. How, how much beach there is and um you know just the overall thoughtfulness of, of the layout it's pretty pretty fun yeah thank you i mean <clears throat> a lot of that genius is owed to stephen bateman who from mia design who's our, our, our architect but we spent i mean we went around southeast asia and looked at other beach club designs and layouts and the beauty of this area is all him the way it's laid out and I like to say some of the functionality of the building that maybe you don't see as a customer, but the guts downstairs, like that was like as an operator, that was like my contributions. And I'm I'm pretty proud of how the place came out. Like 
it was a, a very challenging development project to go from woods to what is here now. Um, and it, the last couple weeks of it too, really kind of like, it all kind of came together at that last moment. I was like, wow, this is really, this looks really good. Like this came out really, really nice. Yeah, the last 20% on any project. Sure. I mean, that, cause that's all the touches, right? This was like the last 10%. Cause even if you look over there right now and I take out all the cushions, it feels like this big concrete space and it's very cold. But if you throw the cushions back in, and that's something we can do in 10 minutes, it really changes the whole thing. And I think that's some of the brilliance of Steven's design. And I can't wait for the landscaping to grow and it's going to look great. Oh, yeah. But is there like an estimate on how long that's going to take? A year or two. Right. That's just, I mean, palm trees, when you move them around, they get kind of like skittish and you replant them and they'll be okay in some time. Um, how do you keep a place like this looking fresh? Because yeah. it looks great now, but it's sure. just opened. So yeah, I mean maintenance just like I'm a, I'm an exacting taskmaster at times. You know, I, I walk around, I point a lot of stuff. Just gotta get, stay on this, stay on this, and you know, I wonder if anyone hates me just yet. I think we're still new enough that everyone's like, ah, boss is still fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, nope, fix that. <laughs> Why is there cobwebs? You know, like so. I mean, a place like this, especially being open air and, I mean, this close to the ocean, like, you have to just sort of be on top of the maintenance and the cleaning, right? And good cleaning leads to less maintenance, so. Does good cleaning help things like rust or yeah. not? Sure, because you get, like, salt air that builds up over time. So if you actually come over this and, and give it a wipe down every so often and then dry it off and clean it, Right, you, this that that salinity doesn't build up on the on the metal as fast. Right, being this close to the ocean, eventually everything's gonna have effects either from being directly in the sun or being in the salt environment. Um, all you can kind of do is do your best to uh, delay the inevitable, I guess. For our viewers out there who might be interested in managing a nightclub, sure, managing a beach bar, yeah, or throwing events. Okay. What are like your top three keys to success? You have a philosophy of- Yeah, I do. It's like give people what they want. Okay. <laughs> it's the stupidest thing in the world, right? But I was successful in everything I've ever done because it's like, what is the quintessential bottled nature of this experience, right? Do we want to make a beach club a la these places and this experience, I want to sell that to these people that come here, right? It's so if you have a clear purpose of mind, Right. Like in college, right? I was president of my fraternity. This is a cheesy story, but, you know, when I got there, we were this sort of mid-tier group. And the thing we did to become the top was to give people what they wanted. And what those kids wanted was the quintessential college experience. These kids went away to school and they went to like a commuter school in Las Vegas. And it's sort of weird. And like it's not there's not any campus life. And and so we just made that experience. And, and Lush was, you know. Put Skrillex in a tiny room and make that crazy, cool, Detroit, hot, awesome experience and then sell that to people. And, and you know, this is, you know, give people what they want and then, you know, charge them for it, right? This, I think there's a little bit of convincing people that they want it, but nobody that's come here thus far has, every single review we've had that wasn't fake has been like, it's five star. Like, it's like, 
There's there's not really many experience. There's no experience like this in Vietnam for sure. Right? You'd have to go to another country to find anything like this. That's all entertainment that doesn't involve you wandering through a resort. And I hate answering that question of like, well, what's your room number? And it's like, I'm... I feel right. like a pariah. I'm like, I'm an outside guest. So uh, a little bit of a background <laughs> on that, I'll try to give one, is uh, if, you, if you're in Vietnam and you want to go to a beach, you want to enjoy a swimming pool, a lot of Vietnam is either very, very rustic nature. Yeah, things are either nice and very expensive or very budgety, kind of like down markety. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go there, but that's true. It's, I mean, true. it's the truth of the matter, right? There's not a lot of like mid-tier. Right. Right. And that's... So if you want to have like a very private, uh, like something like Six Senses. Yeah, sure. If you want right? to spend $800 a night, there's definitely there's something for a that. a lot of nice things at your, uh, that you have access to. Yeah. And if you don't want to spend anything, if you want to go to like a public beach... The options are limited. I mean, you're sitting on like, in like a, like a palapa and some lady selling you some beers out of a bucket and... And there's plastic bags... Yeah, yeah. well, no one's really and, maintaining that beach or the, yeah. that water, right? So, so to have a clean beach that's not uh, chaotically busy without trash, without like a... Sure. But yeah, I mean, well, that's all clean, too. I mean, the, the beach was not clean when we got here. It wasn't clean when we finished building it. We clean it pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have to stay on top of it. It's not... When storms come, a lot of trash rolls up, and that's just... Just have to go out there and pick yeah. it up. Yeah. But it, it really shows. It makes a difference. Sure. You, I mean, you have to do it, right? We're a beach so place. the cool thing about this place is, uh, from what I've been able to ascertain so far, is... Everything. Well, <laughs> you know, we uh, found a, a nice room somewhere, but it doesn't have a swimming pool. Yeah. It's not on the ocean. Yeah. Right? Uh, it's a nice room. Yeah. Right? But that's it's just a room. But that's part of the thing, is that, like, not every person who's not staying in a five-star hotel is like a broke-ass backpacker. And so I feel like right now, especially in central Vietnam, those are the two extremes. You're either staying at the Four Seasons for $1,000 a night or you're staying in some hostel for $6 a night. And I feel like, you know, there's not a lot of in-between. And so like for someone like yourself, like I I feel like this place serves that market niche of I don't want to spend $300 a night on my hotel room, but I still want to go out and have like a nice day by the beach, have lunch, lay by the pool, like... Have a little, it's not even a party. It's like a relaxed, chill atmosphere, I feel like, most of the time. And then we do have parties, but. Yeah. So I guess what you, you essentially finished my thought, which was this ends up becoming like a perfect uh, solution where I can find a, a clean room to stay in. Sure. But I don't have to worry about it having all the amenities because I know that I've got this outlet. Like I can come here and chill out. If I want to sit on the beach, I can sit on the beach. If I want to go swimming, I can go swimming. Uh, I mean, that's the idea. Craft beer, <laughs> cappuccinos. Food's good. So, right. So, you know, we're just, but I think that's like a, it's like a neat lifestyle niche to be in. Like I'm selling you the five star part of a five star hotel minus the room. Do you guys have any plans to add rooms? Yeah, maybe we have more land. I would like to focus on like I would like to do like a big fitness center or a gym or maybe training facilities. Oh. Something like that I would think would be really cool. There's so much hotel development in central Vietnam right now that adding another 40 rooms, even if they're super cool blush beach branded rooms, meh. 
Right. Meh. Like why? Why? We if we have this model and it works and it's cool and part of the reason it's cool is because it's not part of a hotel. It's like its own thing. Right? And you don't feel weird at any point here for not having a room key. Um then yeah, why add that? Right? If we can figure out a good way to monetize the other land that we have or do events space convention space i think a gym like lifestyle training facility some retail i think all of that i would be more interested in doing than like another hotel like i don't it's like sand to the beach literally and there's five thousand hotel rooms under development within a mile that way so yesterday when when we were playing on the beach i looked over to the next property and I didn't see any physical barrier between the two. Mm -hmm. But that place was jam-packed. And I was wondering, like, why don't these people just spill over to this untouched beach? Well, there's a public beach down there on the other side of the hotel. There's a hotel to our south, right? That's our south? North. That's our north. The hotel to our north. And on the other side of the hotel, there's a public beach. So there's lots of people down on the public beach, especially on, on the weekends. Um, but during very certain hours. The Vietnamese, they come out in the late afternoon. Right? They're not a layout all day. Right. People. That avoid the sun. Sure. Generally speaking. What do you think would be fun for us to talk about for our audience in the next five to ten minutes before we wrap this up? Wow. Well, who's your audience? <laughs> That's a great question. I knew you know? nothing about your podcast yeah. game. So, uh, <laughs> like, like... I've, I've watched a few people talk about advice about starting a podcast and... They say things like you should have a clearly defined niche. You should kind of know what you're going to be talking about. So what is our niche? Is this like design or expats or Vietnam? No. I guess yeah, I mean, about like this beach club for the last like 20 minutes. Right. Uh, I, I, it's not a bad topic. It's awesome. I, Come to Bless Beach. It, it is an awesome beach club. Let's plug. <laughs> I'm a big fan of the Joe Rogan experience. Sure. Which... He wanders. He has a lot of various topics. So I kind of would like to do that. But as as you knew, I, actually, probably most of the people out there don't know. I used to do an event series in Saigon. The kind of Saigon, right? Yeah. You did one at Lush. That's right. I did many at Lush. Yeah, I did yeah. at least three. Yeah, yeah. Three of the five that I ever did, I did at Lush. That's well, like three-fifths compromise, yeah. my friend. And um, it was kind of modeled after TED Talks. Yeah. And the idea was, it's called Design Exchange. I even named my company DX Saigon as like a the D and the X is design exchange. And the idea there was that I, uh, as a game designer, I felt I couldn't learn a lot more about game design from listening to other game designers at that point. But that if I... You need had, to look outside that specialty? Yeah, to... if I talked to an architect, if I talked to an animator, okay. if I talked to a graphic designer, they would have design lessons that I could... that they could impart that would make me a better game designer. Okay. I, I can, I can, you know? you know, when I moved out here, it was my first time being like a, a GM, a general manager, if anything. And I want to be the best manager possible. But then when I moved up here with this, it wasn't really about being a manager anymore. It was just being about like an effective leader. Right. So I, I, I understand what you mean of like taking ideas from outside your focus or speciality and trying to apply them then to, you know, your thing. Yeah. What's your leadership style? Very lead by the front, right? Um, I mean, there's really only, like, one way to objectively assess leadership, right? And that's effective or not. 
right? There's not, you're a good leader, you're not a good leader. And that's this is sort of a, sort of a, a flip of the coin. I don't know. Here you have such a dichotomy between like a Western leadership style and maybe like that of an Asian leadership style. Whereas I think it's very important for them to see me doing work, right? Like, and like hard work. Like I'll do shitty things, right? Like I'll take the trash out. Like I'll help clean dishes. I'll mow the lawn. You know, like I, I, I don't mind those things. Like I'm a physical person. I'm like full frontal management, right? Is the idea. Um, you know, and I think that's more inspiring than maybe somebody who just, you know. But I, th- there's not. It's less scalable, right? right? If you were running a company of you know, a hundred thousand people, you couldn't physically let all of them see you doing things all the time. Right? Yeah, you could do things, but only ten people would probably see you doing yeah. those things. Yeah, I mean, being a CEO is, I think, to some degree different, but the same. I'm not sure. Never been a CEO. I think I'd be a good one. I think so. Yeah. In this project, yeah, this current project, what are we looking at in terms of like investment? What is there? Like how a much did this cost? Yeah. Like how many people got involved in terms a of lot. investors and like there's what's a lot of investors. The ballpark kind of figures okay. to do something so like, like this. I'm trying to think of like a a good way to. Of course, you don't have to disclose any kind of confidential no, no, there's, information. There's 25 investors in this project. So, and most of the investors here are long-term expats that see the value in both the real estate aspect and maybe the entertainment bit of it. But no one has really invested in an amount of money that, like, everybody like, gets there's risk in it. But, you know, it's, it's not, no one's looking for it to pay back. No one's trying to put their kids through college for it in, in, in you know. A year or two. Since you guys don't own the land, then the way that the investors would make money back is on paying out dividends? Sure, but we also own the deed on the land. So we prepaid the land lease. So we own the land lease paid for the next 50 years that we could transfer as an asset. And already we've made a good return on what the resale value of the land would be by holding it. Because it has increased in value yeah well sure i mean a land will increase especially be- beachfront in a in a in a growing tourist community it's a it's a good size parcel it's almost two hectares so yeah. uh, how big is a hectare versus like an acre it's about two acres okay it's about two acres one hectare is about two acres so this is yeah three three and a half acres i don't want to make anybody nervous like any investors nervous right but at some point you'll probably want to go do something else sure so like where do you what kind of do you see your next steps and at what point where do you want to see this thing grow before that before you leave i don't know i mean i definitely want it to be the best beach club in vietnam but i don't think uh, not to be like pompous but i don't think that'll take that long right like we built something that on the first day it opened had a good claim to saying this is the best beach club in Vietnam because there's just not a lot of competition, right? Yeah. Can I show B-roll from your opening day ceremony? Absolutely. Yeah, at sure. this point? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I think that I want to build something iconic, right? Like Lush, even though I was part of it, wasn't like mine, right? Like I, I, I left my mark on it, but I didn't build it, right? And, and I want to like build something that stands and like I want people to come to Blush as the thunder rolls in, uh, you know, for the next 
47 and a half years. <laughs> or we sell it all to Chinese and make a butt ton of money. I don't know. Like, we'll see. <laughs> well, I guess that's a, that's a possibility, right? Sure. I mean, exiting any business, uh, if you want to be a, a, an investor, an entrepreneur, it always needs to be an option, right? especially if you can make a good profit. I've seen a lot of also storied businesses in Saigon, things like Luzine. Sure. Get purchased by foreign and so-called foreign investment groups looking to get in on the yeah. rising tide of Vietnam, I guess. Absolutely. I mean, this is a and the way the back end is done on it with the ownership and offshores. And this is a nice bespoke investment for you, Mr. Singapore billionaire guy. You want your beach club in Vietnam? I know you do. Direct you flights. You got a turnkey solution here. It's already Turn, set yeah, up. Yeah, man. Uh, $11 million, this all could be yours. I, my general feeling when I, when there's something I like and it ends up getting bought out by a bigger. Yeah, is it's going to decline. Yeah, it never, it, it feels like it loses something that made it special in the first place. Well, I think any place that you support for, as like a, like an, like a plucky entrepreneur, when they sell out to the man, they're, they lose that plucky entrepreneurship like immediately, right? So, this place I don't think is particularly like plucky entrepreneur either, though. There's like a lot of like proper long-term investors and stuff. Like this is a so well done business. Please explain the music selection that you guys have so far been trying here and why you're doing that instead of very, very commercial. Have you enjoyed stuff. the music here thus far? I have enjoyed it this thus far. Uh it's mostly house. It's like house, beach house, tropical house, future tech. I don't know what they call this. Like, it's like an H and M, right? Like, that's do they, like, they play this kind of music in H and M? Yeah, this is is like uh, or a Zara. Like, this is like the same kind of like. I don't know. Like, when we have parties and we kind of turn up the music, are the styles get a little bit more defined and eclectic? I think just for sort of daily use, like we want something that's nice, got a good beat, but it's like also non intrusive and played in appropriate volume is believe it or not actually like very important but something that i see businesses struggle with here a lot yeah you know like it doesn't need to be that loud <laughs> it's right now I, oh I smell that rain coming I smell all the sulfur in the air all of a sudden right <laughs> you did you get any hearing damage from working in a nightclub as long as you did Lush wasn't that loud, comparatively speaking, to everything else in, in, in Saigon. The drinking and the smoking for five years probably had a greater negative health impact, I think, than the, uh, you know, than, than the sound. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let's look here quickly. Yes. You I got to go. get, get in a taxi in two Thomas minutes. I got to fly back to Saigon. James. Thomas. Thank you so fun. much for sitting down with us today, talking about this new project of yours. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Blush Beach, you can go to blushbeach.com. Yeah, or facebook.com slash blushbeach. Or follow us on Instagram. Yeah, best of luck uh, with this project. I Thanks. I can't been... wait to do podcast number 37 here at Blush Beach again in five months or six months or something. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, right. I'll come back at some point and definitely we can talk again. We'll do a follow-up. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thomas. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
Bye, Internet. Bye-bye. <laughs> Signing off. <laughs>